Open your Bibles with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is our theme verse for the year. Continue. Continue. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14. The Bible says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. What we're trying to accomplish this year at Grace Baptist Church is just to take that next step, to continue growing in the Lord, to continue being established in the faith, to just continue in the things that we know, that we believe, that we've been assured of. That's what this verse is about. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank You so much for Your grace. Lord, thank You for Your free offer of salvation to us. Lord, that not based on any goodness of our own, but only based on Your grace, You've offered us the gift of eternal life. And Lord, because of that, we can have joy, and we can have peace, and we can have knowledge of our forgiveness of sins and hope of eternal life. Lord, thank You so much for everything that You do for us. Lord, help us now as we study Your Word. Father, I pray that, um, that we'll leave here a little different than we came in because of what Your Word does in us. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning I'm speaking on continue in joy. Continue in joy. Now, you understand that the whole world is looking for happiness. Everyone's trying to find a way to be happy, and you'll see a commercial and everybody is always happy in the commercial. Um, I've thought about how fun it would be to do a skit of people acting like they do in commercials. You know, that you walk into work and it's, hey! And the whole thing is all that kind of thing and everybody's just great and laughing and having fun. How many of you understand that's not life? That's not life. Because happiness is based on happy, happenings. Happiness is based on stuff that, for the most part, is completely out of your control. I told the Sunday school class that... Uh, Friday, when I was trying to fly to New York, uh, I flew out of Columbus, and we sat on the runway for an hour, or at the gate for an hour and a half. I wasn't happy. I missed my flight in Philadelphia. I was at the Philadelphia airport for seven hours. The Philadelphia airport, it's like being in Ethiopia or something. It's awful. Um, so I was there for seven hours. Then I got on the airplane to go to Albany, and I sat on the runway for two and a half hours. I wasn't happy, but I still had joy in the Lord. And everything was okay. Happiness is based on happenings. Joy is not an attitude. Joy is a knowledge. And you'll remember from our study through Philippians that joy is that deep and abiding confidence that regardless of one's circumstances in life, all is well between the believer and his Lord. You know, I think of my relationship with my wife. If I question my relationship with Laura, if I think that I've angered her or hurt her or in some way frustrated her, then there's not happiness at that moment. Is that right? Now, I don't know. Sometimes it makes you feel good to make her mad. I don't, it's, just, it's true. But not in general. If things aren't right in our relationship, then there's not happiness. But I have complete confidence in my love for her and her love for me. That's, that brings joy. Joy in life comes from confidence that your relationship with God is secure. 
That's a wonderful thing to have. No matter what difficulty, pain, disappointment, failure, rejection, or other challenge we're facing, genuine joy remains because of that eternal well-being established by God's grace in salvation. It all comes from God. So Scripture makes it clear that the fullest expression of joy comes from our identity. Joy is a part of identity, and it's identity with Christ. Who are we with Jesus Christ? So let's look at a couple of things. I want to talk this morning three aspects of joy. We're going to continue in this joy. The first aspect is this. It's the joy of knowing true peace. It's the joy of knowing true peace. I'm going to need some help back there, I think, <laughs> so I can have peace. It's the joy of knowing true peace. Um, what is peace? Webster's 1828 Dictionary says this. In a general sense, it's a state of quiet or tranquility, freedom from disturbance or agitation. That makes sense, doesn't it? That's what peace is. Here's the, uh, the definition. You know, there are like six definitions that he gives. This is the one that applies to our topic today. Freedom from agitation or disturbance by the passions, as from fear, terror, anger, anxiety or the like, quietness of mind, tranquility, calmness, the quiet of conscience, the quiet of conscience. It is so wonderful that God gives us this kind of peace. How many of you have been in a situation where it was very hard to find peace? Seriously. Very hard to find peace. And it could be that you're in a time of, of turmoil in your relationship with your wife, your husband, with your children. It could be a time of, of financial trouble. It could be a time of health issues. Can, can really, you know, when the doctor says, uh, don't you love this? Now, we have doctors here, but don't worry. We really don't like it when you do this. Um, look, it could be a headache. It could be inoperable brain cancer. But here's what's funny. The doctor will say, okay, you've got an intestinal thing. We, we need to do some, some testing. What are we testing for? What are we looking for? Well, we're going to see if there's some kind of a blockage. We're going to see if there's some kind of an irritation. We want to rule out cancer. And you go home, I have cancer. Right? Isn't that what we do? That's immediately what our mind goes to. And it's at those times when we need to understand what peace is. What peace is. What happens when the doctor says there's no hope? What happens when the doctor comes to you and says, look, you have six months to live. This is it. Your life is over. What, what happens there? Can there be peace? Yes. Absolutely, there can be peace. John 14, 7, listen to what Jesus said. Peace I leave with you. My peace... I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So here's the idea. What is peace? It's the absence of a troubled heart or a fearful heart. It's the absence of a troubled heart or a fearful heart. Um, this coming week, my mom's probably going to die. 
And, man, that's just a hard thing. I can't talk about it too much or I won't get through the message. But here's the hope. Here's where the peace is. She's going to heaven. And you might say, well, how can you know that? Well, that's one of the joys that God gives us. That's that, that's that deep and abiding confidence that regardless of the circumstances of life, all is well between the believer and the Lord. That's, that's peace. When we stood at the graveside of our son, when we stood there, and, you know, I remember coming home from work and I was going to school full-time and working full-time and Riley had just died. I'd gone back to work. And I, what I would do after work every day is I'd walk into the nursery and I'd see Riley. And I remember one day I came home after school, getting ready to go for work, go to work, and I walked in to the nursery and I remembered he was gone. Now look, do you recognize that there's pain? there, even for the believer. But the Bible says this about the believer, that we should grieve, but not as those which have no hope. You see, I know where Riley is because of the grace of God. I know where my mom's going because of the grace of God. And that's the kind of peace that you can't, you can't just give that to somebody. That has to come from the Lord. I don't have that peace to give away. Jesus said, my peace I give unto you. Not the peace that the world gives, but my peace. Neither be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. That's the kind of wonderful peace that comes from the Lord. We have funeral directors in our church. And I know that there are times when they're standing there with a family that doesn't have any hope at all. And they want to just offer the hope that God has given us because we really can know. Uh, I think about this, again, in the context of my mom. And I appreciate you all have been so kind to me about my mother. How many of you have lost your parents? They're, your parents are gone or one of them. You've, you've been through it. I haven't walked through that yet. This is I'm a beginner at this. And you all have been so gracious to me. But here's the wonderful thing. I'm probably going to preach the funeral for my mother. Um, that's a difficult thing. But here's, here's where the joy comes in. That when I stand and I, the, the casket is there, and as the family and friends and loved ones walk by that casket, we're going to know where she is. Is there sorrow? Absolutely. But is there joy? Yeah. No more pain. <laughs> no more suffering. No more trach. No more, no more uh, uh, dialysis. No more all the stuff. No more being poked and prodded. Rest. Rest in the Lord. Do you see the peace that that gives? You see, we, we go to Colorado on vacation, and you walk up into the mountains... And you look out and you see... How many of you have been to Colorado? You've been there, you've been up in the mountains in Colorado. You talk about peaceful. It's awesome. Now, of course, I can't breathe. I think I'm going to die as I'm getting there. 
But once I'm there, and once I get my breath back and the world stops spinning, it's amazing how, much pe- how peaceful it is. But then I've got to come back to work. You know, I, I can't just live on the mountain. I've got to come back down to flatland and minister to people in Ohio. And do you know what? The peace that there is on the mountain, God offers that same peace in the middle of a bad economy, in the middle of wars in Iraq and and Afghanistan, in the middle of, of trouble, God offers that peace. And in the middle of loved ones dying, God offers that peace. And I'm so glad that I don't have to rely on the assurances of friends uh, when Riley died, I had a friend that said, he didn't know what to say to me. And he just looked at me and he said, well, you know, these things happen. And I thought, that's probably not what I needed to hear at this moment. And yet there could be peace. There could be peace. And the joy that comes from that. You know, uh, as Laura and I walked through that together, um, I know, I personally know of families that have split up when a child dies because of the pain that comes from it. Laura and I were able to grow closer. Why? Because we're such wonderful people. No, because God's grace does that for you. It just does it for you. And I've watched you. I've watched people in this room walk through trouble with amazing grace just demonstrating unbelievable uh, inner strength. And it's all from the Lord. It's all from the Lord. Because when we rely on ourselves, that's when we're on the floor. That's when we can't stand up. That's when we can't face people. But God gives us that peace. So number one, the joy of knowing true peace. Number two, the joy of knowing that your sins are forgiven. Have you ever done something and you said, I can't believe I did that? Have you ever said something? And no, no, most of the time what you're saying is, I can't believe he did that. <laughs> I can't believe she did that. But have you ever said, I can't believe I did that? Right? And you know, it seems like the closer you get to the Lord, the more you study the Word of God, the more you find out stuff that you're doing wrong. Now, I had somebody tell me one time that they had never sinned. No, it wasn't my mother-in-law. Don't worry, that's not. Did you hear all the ladies? Oh. I actually had a lady one time tell me that she had never sinned. And I wanted to get real sarcastic, you know, say something like, this is so cool, can I take your picture? Because you're the only person in the world who's never sinned before. How many of you know that you're a sinner? Right? We, we, all, we are all sinners now, here's the problem, though. Our problem is that we think that there's different kinds of sins. You know, I used to reach up on my dad's dresser and, and steal some change. Don't you ever do that right there. I used to take, reach up on my dad's dresser and take some change and go down to the dairy and buy ice cream. That's wrong. But I never blew up a federal building. You know, I never walked into a school and shot a bunch of people. And so I think, well, I'm not really that bad then. I'm not really that bad. But that's not what the Bible says. Do you know what sin is? Sin is any transgression of the law. That's what the Bible says in the book of 1 John. 
It's any transgression of the law. So that little lie that you tell, taking that change, whatever it is, all of it is a transgression of the law, and just one sin is enough to take you to hell because the Bible says that if you violate in one point, you violated all of it. So in reaching up and taking that change, I put myself in the same classification as the, as the guy that walked into Sandy Hook Elementary School. Now, let me be very clear. I understand that societally we have to judge those things differently. Does, does that make sense? The penalty for those in a legal system, they have to be different. And even morally, even morally, the, the, the Sandy Hook thing is far worse than me taking that change. Is that right? But as far as being a classified as a sinner or as one that is righteous, as soon as I took that change, that put me in the same classification as every other sinner in the world. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Aren't you glad that's not where the Bible ends? Do you know how many people walk through this world being guilty about their behavior? Just guilty. Now, how many of you think there are people that ought to feel guilty about their behavior? Yeah. You're really going to wear that? Really? Right? Now, look. Can't we go from... It's amazing. In one of my sermons, we go from lofty and beautiful to that. But that's life, isn't it? So sin is any transgression of the law. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 4, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. But remember our definition of joy. Joy is that deep and abiding confidence that regardless of the circumstances of life, even my sin, all is well between me and the Lord. That's what joy is. Because the Bible, the Bible makes it very clear. If a man saith he hath not sin, he's a liar. And the truth is not in him. That's for believers and unbelievers. That's for people who follow Christ and people who've never heard the name of Christ. We are all Sinners. You know, I'm not standing up here as one who doesn't have sin, talking to you lowly people. Why can't you be more like me? That's ridiculous. I'm a sinner just like you're a sinner who has found the grace of Jesus Christ. And so that's the joy that comes from knowing that my sins are forgiven. I have been at the bedside of people. I think of one person in particular who was afraid to die because she didn't know whether or not she was going to be able to go to heaven because she was afraid she might have had some unconfessed sin in her life. Have you ever known somebody in a situation like that? Have you all ever seen someone like that? It's horrible. Afraid to die. Afraid to die because of no joy and no peace. But that's not from the Word of God. Let's, I mean, let me read you some verses. But first of all, what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is the pardon of an offender by which he is considered and treated as not guilty. That's, that's awesome. That's what God does for us. That's what His forgiveness is. Listen to what the Bible says about forgiveness. Uh, do you want to turn there with me? Look at John 16. Look at John 16. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John 16. Look at verse 33. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have, what? Peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus Christ has won the victory for us, right? So He is offering us this peace that He gives. 
Look with me at Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Next book. Acts chapter 13. Acts 13. Look at verse 38. Acts 13, 38. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, Jesus Christ, is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, all that work really hard. What's it say? Believe. And by him, all that believe are justified from all things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. All right, so here's what this is saying. Justified. What does it mean to be justified? That's where God, as the judge, puts the gavel down and says, not guilty. Amen. That's what it means to be justified. How does that happen? According to the Bible, that can't happen by obeying the law. That's what it just said, verse 39. It could not be accomplished by the law of Moses. It couldn't happen. So how do we do it? By believing in Jesus Christ. We're justified. We're declared not guilty. That we are, our sins are forgiven by believing that Jesus Christ is the only way to have that sin forgiven. Anybody happy about that today? Amen. That is so good. We, I can have joy because I know that I have the forgiveness of sins. How many of you have done something in the past that you really wish you hadn't? And look, don't raise your hands and you don't, don't, don't respond to this. But uh, I know that there are things that you might even lay at night waking, lay up, lay up at night, awake, and say, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I did that. Do you know that if you're born again, if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your eternal life, that that's forgiven? It's gone. You will never pay for that. Here's what the Bible says. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. How do you get in Christ Jesus? How, do you, how are you placed in Christ? By believing in Him. By believing in Him. That's what it means to be in Christ. You just believe Him. He offers you something and you take it. He gives you a gift and you receive the gift. And then you believe Him when He offered that gift. You just believe Him. And you have the forgiveness of sins. Look at Acts chapter 26. Acts 26. So here's the Apostle Paul. He is giving his testimony of his own salvation... And verse 15, he says, And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee. So here's what's going on. The Apostle Paul, he's just seen Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I'm going to make you a minister, not only of what you've seen in the past, but I'm going to show you more things. And those more things are the books of the Bible that God used the Apostle Paul to write. Romans, First and Second Corinthians, First uh, and Second Thessalonians, Ephesians, Galatians, Philippians, Colossians, all of those books 
That's all stuff. First, first and second Timothy, Titus, those are all things that God would yet reveal to him. Okay? But now look at what his job is. The end of verse 15, the end of verse 16. And of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. So he's going to go preach the gospel to the Gentiles. What's he going to preach? Verse 18. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Sanctified. What is that? Made righteous. It's, it's made clean. It's made like Christ. How does that happen? By faith. By faith. That's the message that Jesus Christ Himself gave to the Apostle Paul. What's included in that? The forgiveness of sins. <laughs> I have. I know that I have the forgiveness of sins. So, we're going to continue in joy. The joy of knowing true peace. The joy of knowing that my sins are forgiven. I want you to, have, I want you to know that your sins are forgiven. That's the message that God has given us. Then number three, the joy of knowing that you have eternal life. The joy of knowing that you have eternal life. Do you remember the verse, our, our theme verse for the year? But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned of me and hast been assured of. Assured of. How many of you, there are some things that you really know? You know that they're true. You know that two plus two equals four. Y'all scared me for a minute there. We, we need, Yvonne, we need you to straighten these people out on their math. Get them. A bunch of math teachers here? Okay. So we are the, the math challenge church, apparently. Two plus two equals? Do you know that? Yeah. Does the sun come up in the east and set in the west? Yes. Those things happen. How about something that you can know? Water is wet. Is that right? Pain hurts. These are some things that we know, we're assured of. You know, there are some things that you can really know. You can really know that when you take that baby and you hold that baby, the love that comes from you, you know that that love is there. Amen? There's some things that you know that you're assured of. Now, those are experiential things. Those are things that we can taste, we can touch. You know, we know that if somebody hits you in the head with a baseball bat, it hurts. Um, how, does anyone here know that from experience? Yeah, yeah, me too. I, I, I learned that the hard way. Um, I remember one time playing baseball. The guy, guy threw the ball to me, and I was going to catch it. And somebody said something to me, and I turned. And that ball hit me right there. That explains it, right? Now you understand. But man, that hurt. Do you know what I know? Getting hit in the face with a baseball hurts. I know that from experience. But you know, there are some things that we can know because God said them. When God says something, that is more sure than our personal experiences. The Bible says it this way. We have a more sure word of prophecy. The Bible is more sure than our personal experiences. This is the word of God, the infallible, perfect word of God. And the Bible tells me that I can know that I have eternal life. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
eternal life, everlasting life. Let me just read some verses for you. Romans 5.21, that, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Uh, 1 Timothy 1.2, 2 Timothy 1.2, in hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Titus 3.7, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. 1 John 2.25, and this is the promise that He hath promised us, even eternal life. Now when God makes a promise, does He keep it? Yeah. He has promised us eternal life. 1 John 5.11, and this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. 1 John 5.13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. 1 John 5.20, And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know Him that is true. And we are in Him that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Amen. How do you get in Christ? By believing. You believe in Him, and the Holy Spirit places you in Christ. That's, I know. I know true peace. I know that my sins are forgiven. And I know that I have eternal life. Do you know what that gives me? Joy. The deep and abiding confidence that regardless of the circumstances in life, all is well between me and the Lord. Why is that? Because I'm so good. No. Anybody who knows me knows that's not true. Why is that? Because Jesus Christ gave me the gift of eternal life. He gave me the gift of the forgiveness of sins. And He gave me eternal peace. I didn't do anything to earn it. I don't deserve it. I can't do anything to keep it. It's simply a gift that comes from God. And I said, yes, Lord, I'll take it. I believe you. I trust you. If you've never trusted the Lord as your personal Savior, I hope you'll do that today. Listen. There are people here from all different religious backgrounds today. As I look out here, all different religious backgrounds. There are Baptists, Methodists, Presbyterians. There are people that grew up nothing. There are people that are Catholic. There are people all different faiths. It's not about being a Baptist. It's not about being a Presbyterian. It's not about being a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness. None of that takes you to heaven. None of it does. The only thing that can take you to heaven is Jesus Christ. That free gift of eternal life. I heard someone say one time, there's more Baptists in Texas than will be in heaven. <laughs> Being a Baptist has never saved anybody. It's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ that takes you to heaven. Thank you, Lord, so much for your word.